born to die that he might give Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. My soul that night. So look what he says there in verse 28. As concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. In other words, because of the way that God chose to save. How did God choose to save? By faith. And when Israel would believe on the Lord, okay. But when Israel didn't want to believe and they rejected Jesus Christ, didn't want him, okay, then he went to the Gentiles. But when he went to the Gentiles, why did he... Because of belief. Because we believe it. And the day will come when that will be stopped. When the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now the fullness of the Gentiles and the time of the Gentiles is two different things. The times of the Gentiles is a time period from Babylon all the way up to the end of the tribulation period. When Gentile ruling powers have been over Israel. So that's the times of the Gentile different kingdoms. The fullness of the Gentiles is mentioned there in the last part of... um, chapter 11 in verse 25, that's talking about the fullness of the Gentiles, and that's talking about the believing Jew and the believing Gentile making up the body of Christ. It's a different period of time from Pentecost to the rapture. So this day of Christ coming again is going to take place. And the reason is because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Aren't you glad that whenever the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life? Okay. If I accept it as a gift, what am I supposed to have? Eternal life. Well, if it's eternal life, how long is eternal life? These are difficult questions, I realize. Very difficult. It would last forever. Well, once God gives it to you, can God take it back? It says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. It means that God doesn't change his mind. God said, I saved you last week. Isn't that wonderful? I changed my mind today. That would be almost like our government. The reason we're in the mess we're in is because people have no security. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what's coming down the pike. So nobody knows, and there's all this insecurity, so nobody knows what's going to take place, so they can't make wise decisions about the future. So everybody's holding back to see what's going to happen. Do I I have a solution to the problem? Oh, yes. Yes, I I got some solutions to the problem. (laughs) Let me just throw this one out for you. No charge for this. You ever heard this statement, it's the economy, stupid? I got news for you. It's not the economy. If the economy was wonderful and everybody had a job, 
wouldn't change the fact that this country is on the wrong road. I wouldn't care if everybody had a job and everybody was a millionaire. Still wrong. Because we're not a godly nation. The problem in America is that we're not spiritually minded. We're carnally minded. We're materialistically minded. We're fleshly minded. Nobody cares what God says or thinks. There's our problem. You know what kind of politicians we need? Godly individuals. People that know God, love God, and live like it. Man, I could easily get sidetracked this morning. But I'm fighting the urge. Back here to Romans. So he makes a statement there in verse 30. But as ye in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. In other words, because they said no and you said yes. So this is explaining to you what he means by in chapter 8 about the foreknowledge of God, the predestination of God. God chose to save because of your belief. God has chosen to save all of those who will accept Christ as their Savior. And God chose to not save those who will not accept Christ as their Savior. So it's all based upon belief or non-belief. So it's up to the individual. And God is using the nation of Israel to teach, to educate, to explain exactly what he means by what he did with the nation of Israel. And so he says here, in uh, verse 31, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. See, we, we were reached at the very beginning of the church age by Jewish believers. And now I believe that Gentile believers should do all we can to reach the Jews. So that through what they rejected, we received. And now what we have received, we are supposed to share. Get what else he says here. In verse 32, you ought to underline verse 32, because verse 32 goes all the way back to the book of Romans in chapter 3, where it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, none that doeth good, no, not one. See, all those are things that are mentioned in the third chapter. And then in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So everybody's a sinner. So we have concluded that no man is justified by works in the sight of God. So here he says in verse 13, For God hath concluded them, and you ought to underline all in, and tells you what the problem is. It's unbelief. So the solution to the problem would be belief. Because they would not believe, and you did believe. The only reason that I'm going to heaven is not because of some great thing that I've done or because God loves me more than those Jewish people. No, it's because I believed them. They chose not to believe. only reason you're going to heaven is because you believe it and somebody else didn't believe it. You may be sitting right now with an individual that has not a clue where they're going to go when they die. You're going to heaven not because you're better than that person. You're going to heaven because you believe and they don't. That's how simple it is. God does not force himself on anybody. God will not make you believe on him. It means he won't make you trust him to take you to heaven when you die. But the consequences are great. 
Look what he says now in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, the Bible tells in the book of Isaiah concerning the thoughts of God, that our thoughts are not his thoughts. Uh, his ways are not our ways. In other words, God's on a different level than you and I. And remember, uh, about a week ago, I preached a sermon on ways in which we're not like God. We're so much not like God. But we're supposed to be like God. Godly means you're like God, and ungodly means you're not like God. So he makes a statement here. He says, For who hath known the mind of God? Or who was his counselor? In other words, in the very beginning, when God was going to design this whole plan of salvation, before God ever made a man, God already had a plan. God was not surprised when Adam and Eve sinned. He already knew it because of his foreknowledge. He's God. He knows the end from the beginning. And that's why he says Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the world in the mind of God. Because God already had a plan on how he was going to do what he was going to do. But since this plan of salvation is so great, do you recall him asking for your advice? I mean, when he got together, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Joe Haggerty. I mean, there they were. They, they were the ones that got together. Or maybe it was, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Jay. In other words, did you counsel God? Did you give God advice on how he's supposed to do something? I think the point is, he didn't ask us. It's not according to our opinion. We did, did nothing to influence God's decision. God is God. God decided what he will do and what he won't do. So we don't have to worry about this. God has everything under control. He knows what he's doing. And so he says in verse 34, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Have you been counseling God lately? I think it's supposed to be the other way around. He is supposed to counsel us. So we have the word of God. Now, let me show you very quickly where majority of God's people are. Take your Bible and turn over there to the book of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation and chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and look in verse 14. Verse 14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That word beginning means the architect, the one that designed it from the very beginning, the one that didn't ask our opinion. He said, I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So, it's almost like, you know, there's some people that are on fire for the Lord, and there's other people that are a lump of ice. Remember, this is written to those who already know the Lord. This is written to the believer. This is written to the church. Those who have already trusted Christ as Savior. So, that means that God knows every individual in the church. 
Now, you know why some people will go to a real super big church? So that when they miss, nobody knows it. I'll repeat that. Because you can get lost. Nobody knows when you come and nobody knows when you're not there. No accountability. Around here, I'd like for people to know people, to meet people, to sit with people. And for some reason or other, you don't show up for a week or two. I would like for somebody to be a friend of yours enough that they might call you and ask you, Hey, I haven't seen you lately. Is something wrong? And, well, and then they, you know what a, a excuse is? It's a reason stuffed with a lie. But anyway, we'll move right along. This one guy went to see this man who hadn't been to church for a while. And uh, he said, I haven't seen you lately. He says, well, what's the problem? He says, well, I, uh, I have a jug of milk in the refrigerator. He said, what? He says, because I have a jug of milk in the refrigerator. He says, what has that got to do with going to church? He says, nothing, but that's just, I mean, one lie is just as good as another. I mean, what difference does it make, you know? But God's people need to understand that what God has given to us, the free gift of eternal life, he doesn't take it away just because you don't do something right. Because he can't change his mind. Can't save me today and then lose me tomorrow. That's what he means. He can't do that. He saves forever. He paid for all of my sins. Can't go back. God cannot renege upon his promises. I was at an Indian camp and I made the big mistake. We had a bunch of Indian kids there. A lot of kids. 1968. I'll never forget it. And I told them, I says, God is not an Indian giver. And they didn't laugh. They didn't like what I just said. And I didn't even think about what I just said until I saw their faces. And I thought, they're going to get painted up. I thought, this, is gonna, this could get ugly. And my kids asked me afterwards, Daddy, where's the, where's the bows and arrows? I said, honey, I hope I don't never see them. But, you know, the Indians are supposed to be Indians with bows and arrows. And I said, well, they, these are Indians. Well, they, they look just like us. You know, they didn't run around with the Indian loincloths and like that. They, they, they dressed like we did, you know. And, uh, but they sure didn't like that. Anyway, I tried to get out of it. It took a whole week before they wound up forgiving me and liking me. By the end of the week, though, they liked me. God is not somebody who gives you something and then takes it away. I wish I had another word for that. <laughs> a lie? Okay. But look what he says in verse 16, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, there's some of God's children that make God sick. Make God want to vomit. And the ones that are on fire for the Lord's okay. Those that are cold says, I'm not going to serve the Lord. At least they're not being hypocritical. It's the ones in the middle that play the game. That's. Most people can't tell the difference, but God knows. God knows. And God knows every one of us, whether we're real or genuine or you know, hypocritical. Do you really love the Lord? Or do you just play in a game? God knows. And look what he says. He says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing, 
knoweth not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. In other words, God sees you differently than you see yourself. You say, well, I don't see myself like this and that. And the other. Yeah, but God says, this is how I see you. He says, so in verse 18, he says, I counsel thee. Because God wants to counsel us. Like, sit down and let me have a word with you. So you don't need all these counselors in the world. All you need is the counselor. Spend time with him and let him talk to you. And you'd be surprised how he can help you solve problems. The biggest way he helps you solve problems is by keeping you out of them. See, when you make the right decisions, most times you're keeping yourself out of trouble. But when you make the wrong decisions, you're adding onto yourself additional problems and troubles. One man put it this way, don't trouble trouble till trouble troubles you. Some people just look for trouble. But get what he says here. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Because there's a lot of God's children that are poor, naked, blind. They just don't see themselves that way. Because, see, you and I are supposed to, like the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you're supposed to live in front of others like you just put him on before you left the house. And people will see the Lord. You're going to act like the Lord today. You're going to talk like the Lord today. And you'd be surprised how many of God's people are not dressed properly when they leave home. Oh, you may be... Your hair's in the place and your lipstick's just right. and You got all the rings on and you, you look good and you didn't put all the makeup on and your hair's, everything's in place. Because you want to be impressed. You want people to like what they see. But you forgot to put on Christ. So you're not prepared to leave the house until you do. In the old Wild West days, if you went out without your six gun, it's kind of like being naked. You know, somebody's going to shoot you. So you always got to pack a gun. Sometimes I wish I lived back in the Wild West days. You know, not to get into a few little gunfights here and there. How many of y'all relate to what I'm saying? A few of you, old diehards. It's the older ones, uh, they, they're right there with me. The, the younger ones, they say, I don't believe he said that. I don't believe he said that. But in verse 19, he says, As many as I love... I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Change your mind. See, you see yourself this way, and God says, I see you this way. You better see yourself the way God sees you. And you do that by standing in the book. So what does God do with rebellious kids? He says, I'm going to chasten you, discipline you. He says, so be zealous, therefore, of the right things. Be zealous, therefore, of good works, the Bible tells us. Otherwise, you're going to be lukewarm. Never really get soul on serving the Lord and really dedicate your life to the Lord. And you play little games. You know, the last thing you want to do is grow up to be a mean old woman or a mean old man. You want to have a sweet attitude and a sweet spirit about you. I'm still working on that. You got just a few little areas, little rough edges that needs to be knocked off yet. And so, you know how God knocks off my, some of my rough edges? You know, there's a statement that iron sharpeneth iron. 
God will send you some rough people in your life to kind of knock off your, your, your sharp edges. Usually he sends somebody that's just like you, that's rough. See, if you're rough, you don't, you don't take smooth sandpaper, you take some really rough sandpaper. So whenever the rougher you are, the rougher somebody has to come and maybe be on you. But anyway, that's another message. So he says, I want you to change your mind. And then in verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, this is not at your heart's door where he's talking about trying to. Now, the door is locked on the inside and I can't come into your heart unless you unlock the door. Kids don't understand that. Most adults don't either. This is talking about to the believers, talking about you and me, those who already know the Lord. God wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to walk with us and talk with us. He wants to lead. He wants to guide us. He ought to be real to you. And it says, this is what he wants, and God will bless you if you do. Now go back to Romans in chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. What do you have that wasn't given to you? Everything you have is because God made it available. There's nothing that you have that God didn't make available. Verse 35, oh, who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? No. Look in verse 30. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Look in verse 36 again. For of him we receive, through him we serve, and to him we give glory don't that make a little bit more sense? Of him we receive. Through him we serve. And to him we give glory. So God wants all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Because what did you have that God did not give you? And is it your advice that made God so wise in the beginning? Were you there to counsel God? No. All that we have, and as smart as you and I, we think we are. We got it. We received it. We didn't create it. The body you have, uh, that was made for you. <gasps> the air you breathe, uh, that was provided for you too. What do you have that God did not provide? So, who should get the honor, the praise, the glory for whatever is done through our lives? Only the Lord. And God is so good to us. But look up here. I want to show you this. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. See, all of us do wrong. All of us have done bad. And we've got to pay for it. The payment is death and hell. God won't be satisfied by nothing else by, except taking your life. The wages of sin is death. You did it. You owe it. So that's why God wants us to go to heaven because he loves us, but he hates our sin. And we can't go to heaven with our sin. So how is God going to get me in and keep this out? You and I couldn't find a way because we are sinners. And we can't separate ourselves from it. So what Christ did there's a way. Christ came into the world. The Lord God himself. Perfect. No sin. We have sin, but not him. He's righteous. He's perfect. He did no wrong, so he didn't have to die. 
But because he loved us, he said he'd take our place. So he died in our place. He took all the sin of all the world, that debt that we had, that debt we had, he, took, he paid for it. He paid my sin debt. Came back from the dead. And he said that if I would believe that he did it for me, he would put the payment he made to my account. I go to heaven what he did. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. So are you. We're all sinners. Everybody in the whole world. When he paid for our sins, he did it for everybody in the world and offers it to everybody. Whosoever would believe, you would not perish. I mean, go to hell, but have eternal life. So that's why I can't go to hell. Because he says, if I believe it, I shall not perish. It means I can't go to hell. Why can't I go to hell? Because he says I can't go to hell. Why? Because I believe it. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. I don't have any sins to pay for. He, he paid for my sins. That's why the most five powerful words in the whole word of God is, Christ died for my sins. Why am I going to heaven? Christ died for my sins. That's why I'm going to heaven. It's not because I have been good, very good. <laughs> I have been very good. Yeah, see, that got five words. No, nothing comes up close to those five words. Christ died for my sins. That's why I'm going to heaven. And that's the only reason anybody goes to heaven. You're not going to heaven because you go to church. You don't go to heaven because you've been good. Because you haven't been. I hate to break your heart. You have not been good enough. No one has ever lived good enough to go to heaven by their good deeds. It's the gift of God. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him? Would you believe that when he died, he died for you? Don't you want to go to heaven? You know, if you don't trust the Lord, you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. And if you're watching by Internet, right there on the screen, it says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so, would you do it right now? Would you just click it and say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior? We don't know who you are. It just lets us know that you watched, you listened, and you said you would trust Christ as your Savior. But if you're in the auditorium, and if you've never trusted the Lord, would you right now in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And right now I will trust him as my savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. Would you do that? Would you trust him? And if you will, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to know. So is there anyone at all before we close? Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it, yes, I trust Christ as my Savior today. And put it right back down just as quick as you can. Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up real quick and put it right back down. Are there others? Hard to see everybody all at one time, especially when I don't have my glasses on and don't see too good out there. Anyone else before we close? Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful for the free gift of eternal life that by faith and faith alone we can be certain of going to heaven, and that you have concluded all in unbelief, that your mercy may be given to everyone, so that everybody can have salvation the same way, because you love us all. And Father, we're thankful that your word tells us that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Father, by faith alone, in Christ alone, we have eternal life. 
and that the gifts and the callings are without repentance. That you don't change your mind, you don't take them away. And what you've called us to do, we're still called to do. That hasn't changed. So, Father, we ask your blessings upon each person here this morning. Give us a good service to follow, and we thank you so much for those that work so hard to, to make our third Sunday dinner what it is. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.